0: How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. 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 Another day's journey, and I'm glad. Amen. Today, I don't plan to be before you long. Share a few words and take my seat. I will be brief. I'm excited to bring the word of God. I'm thankful for any opportunity to share God's word. Amen, and I give honor to God, let me be just who I am, give honor to God who is the head of my life and to the man and woman of God, our pastors, yeah. Pastor Dr. Edwin and Sean Strickland and to my beautiful bride yeah. in all of her glory, amen, amen. anybody else, what up Keijan? <laughs> Search it, everybody. Amen. Won't be before you long. Today, I would like to talk about uh, being counted righteous. I want to talk about being counted righteous and what it means to uh, be right with God. How do we do that? How do we obtain that? Just want to share that this morning. Being counted righteous. And I'll start, and we'll just bounce around just a little bit, a few scriptures today. Uh, Let's start with Isaiah 64. And we're going to go to verse 6. 64 verse 6. Just the very beginning of that. Very simple. You know, you've heard this before. It says, But we all are as an unclean thing. And all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Our righteousness are as filthy rags. You know, our best that we can offer God is not enough. We as Christians on our best day, or just people, individuals on our best day, our good is not enough to please God. And so uh, even though we, we, we offer our best and we tend to be proud of our best, our best work, how much we give, uh, how much we serve, uh, maybe the way we dress, maybe what we haven't done in our lives before, uh, places we have not been, things we have not done. Maybe we feel some uh, elitist position that we are better than someone else because we have not done a certain thing or because of the things we have done, the, thing, the, the, the money we've given. How many times we've been to church how many people we've witnessed to, how many people we've talked to, none of those things are valuable enough to obtain God's favor. None of those are valuable enough to obtain God's favor. When Jesus came, and I I like to say that the New Testament, this is me, the New Testament actually starts around uh, 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 Acts, or you could say Romans, Romans. Because when Jesus walked the earth in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he st- we're still under the old dispensation. We're still under the old covenant. And a lot of things that you hear Jesus saying, he's speaking to people who have this religious pride about themselves. The things he say is basically to let them know, you know, you seem like you have it together, but actually you don't. And that's why the law is introduced to show us our distance from God. How far away from him we are. So, Jesus is speaking to Pharisees and telling them various things just to let them know that they are not where they think they are. Because the pride comes with thinking that we have it all together. You know, we think about, you know, the, the Ten Commandments. I've kept the Ten Commandments. We, 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 we've... Uh, 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 Haven't committed adultery, but Jesus looks at them and says, you know, if you even look at a woman and lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Well, I haven't murdered anybody, but if you even have a thought, just just anger without cause, that you're still in danger of hell's fire. That even when we set, set up these rules for ourselves that make us look better, that make us feel better, and that's where judgment comes in. It's the more we try to, uh, 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 you know, be down on someone else. We're trying to make ourselves feel better. We're creating our own standard, but we have to understand that the law is there to show us that we are not even close to pleasing God within ourselves. How many sins does it take to become a sinner? Trick question. Zero. Zero. And if it doesn't take any sin for you to be considered a sinner, then how many righteous acts does it take for you to become righteous? Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Hello, Siri. (laughs) Romans 5, chapter 12. Romans 5, uh, yeah, verse 12, excuse me. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Verse 13 says, for until the law was in the world, sin was not imputed. Somebody says imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over to them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come? All right. So sin came into the world not by you and not by what you did. You were born in sin. And that was placed on your life because of what Adam did. You are a sinner because Adam failed. And everyone in him would fall from that sin. You didn't commit anything. You didn't earn it. You weren't there. It it was there was no discussion with you, of course, you know, but because you were born through Adam's bloodline, you are now in sin. Man is in sin. The Bible says this word here in verse 13, it said sin was not imputed. And that word imputed means simply to be counted or to placed on your account. Without the law. There was no imputation of sin before God gave Moses the Ten Commandments and then the laws of Moses. Of course, sin was in the world and there was death, uh, but man's sin was not imputed to him or it counted against him, yet he still died. But the imputation of sin says that your sins are counted on your life, but that is through Adam. But the same way that sin is imputed, so is righteousness. The same way that sin is imputed, righteousness is imputed to your life. You don't have to do anything about that. The, the, the word imputed, let me read this here. Imputation is the attribution of an action to a source. It's basically something being credited to your account. It's kind of like you waking up one morning and you look in your bank account and there's more money than you ever need. More money to sustain you for the rest of your life. And with that money, going with this analogy, you don't have to work again. Because the money that's been placed on your account will sustain you for life. That is what happened in the death of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, is that his righteousness was imputed to our lives. Basically being placed on our account. So we are righteous not because of what we've done. But we're righteous for that three-year ministry that Jesus spent preaching throughout the earth and him living perfectly and then becoming the ultimate sacrifice for us. And the reason you and I can rejoice today is because he was right, but he put it on our account. Hallelujah. It's like being a photographer if you know one. (laughs) NigelValley.com. It's like being a photographer and (laughs) you take a beautiful picture. Beautiful. (laughs) And on that photo, you place a logo attributes it to the photographer to say that this was his work this is what he did but the photographer goes out he takes this beautiful picture etc cetera, etc cetera. people like it it's, it's 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 gorgeous but then that photographer nigel valley <laughs> <dot> .com <laughs> places keejian muses name in the bottom he didn't take the picture. He didn't have the camera. <laughs> but he does get the credit if I gave it to him. And it's my right if I want to give away the copyright to my own photo and say, this is yours now. Maybe he doesn't have, I'm not trying to talk about you, bro, but maybe he doesn't have that talent. Maybe he doesn't have that skill. Maybe he doesn't have that desire but he's being attributed the credit for that photo, and now it's, 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 it's seen as his work. It's the same that Jesus Christ is doing for each of us, is that we, we haven't lived perfect lives, we haven't walked and talked the way that we should, but through his death, burial, and resurrection, because last week we talked about him getting up, he accredited, he, he placed his name on your life. The Bible says that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, now, when when the Bible talks about sealing us, it's like notoriety. When you take that paper and you, you you, you get some document notarized and they imprint that seal into the paper. If you try to destroy the paper, you would destroy the seal. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit came in us. Is that he is the very imprint of God. In, just sealed in our hearts so that even if the even if <laughs> you tried to destroy that or split that you would tear up the entire entity god is so implanted in us that there is no separation that would happen it, it, now i know some days you feel bad about it I know some days you think about the things that you have done, even if it was in this week. But just because God has sealed you with his promise, with the Holy Spirit, there is no separation. You would have to destroy the Holy Spirit himself to take him away from you. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Romans 4 and 8. Blessed is the man who the Lord will not impute sin. Romans 4.22, talking about Abraham here. And therefore, he was talking about his faith, was imputed to him for righteousness. Because Abraham believed God, that was counted as righteous. Now. <clears throat> be careful about the pride. Where you. Uh, there, you know the Bible says there is no boasting then. Because we are saved by grace through faith. It takes away our ability to boast. Because he shows that we are all equally failures when it comes to righteousness. There is no good in any of us. Which is why, just because you have this particular area together, doesn't mean that you come down on someone else who haven't found their way. Now. Now. That's when you start getting back into that pride thing and you want to feel better because you got something good. That's where the judgment comes. The Bible says, Judge not that you be, not. don't judge anyone so you won't be judged. But it feels good to find something wrong in somebody else that we have succeeded. You know, we can talk about the relationships that we've we've succeeded in. I guess that doesn't sound right saying relationships you succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) The relationships you succeeded in. I don't know. You get what I'm saying. It feels good to, to, to look at a particular area of your life that you got together. But all of that leaves when you realize that none of that counts. Come on. Mm-hmm. Oh, Come on. None of that counts. Now, I got in my notes here to say don't talk about OJ. <laughs> <laughs> but I probably shouldn't have wrote that because I'm going to talk about <laughs> OJ. Now, in the law, in, in, in the law of public opinion, he did that. <laughs> he did that. Fifty cent. He did that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, according, to according to the law of public opinion, but 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 in the court, he in the courts he is not guilty. Now, no matter how many times we see OJ. Walking wherever he walks. <laughs> no matter how many times we see him, we still can't do anything about the fact that he's not guilty. You may want him to be, you may even believe he is. He may get on TV and have an interview and confess it and all that. (laughs) Now, I'm not trying to justify OJ when I say this, but when you're walking, the devil's looking at you. He reminds you of where you were, what you did, who you were with, who you were talking to. The phone number, when you lift your hands in in, in the congregation of the saints, he's reminding you of that moment and telling you that you're not worthy to have your hands up. He's telling you you're not worthy to speak the word of God. He's telling you're not worthy to witness to anybody. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. And though, yeah, I may have done it. And though, yeah, you saw me and though you know my story and though you, you know where I came from. But in the court of heaven. When God looks at me He is looking at me through the blood of Jesus The devil can't turn back around and try you for what Christ has already died for come on Baby When Adam sinned, you weren't even born. When Adam sinned, you were nowhere around. You had no play in that. Same way when Jesus died, you weren't there. But his death and his burial and resurrection still worked for your life. That scripture says that it was... Sin was not imputed. It also says that Adam was the figure of him that was to come. The figure, a type, a shadow, a pointer. Now, when you read the Word of God, understand <clears throat> there are many types uh, uh, in the Word that basically point to Jesus Christ throughout the entire Scripture. Everything in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, from in the beginning to Amen. Is talking about Jesus Christ. We have to be careful when we look in the scripture and we make it self-centered. We center ourselves in the scripture and try to find out about me in the scripture. That I don't, uh, when I jump in the scripture, I have to find out about him, Jesus. Mm -hmm. The more I talk about me, I end up finding error versus finding out who is Jesus. And the more I understand who he is and what he has done the closer I can get to him in relationship he is a type he's a shadow Adam is of Jesus the Bible says that Jesus is the last Adam it doesn't say that he's the second <laughs> he's, he doesn't say he's the second he's the last Adam and why would he be the last Adam Well, there has to be some connection, as we've established here, between Jesus and Adam. Adam being the one who sinned and caused us to sin. Jesus being the one who is righteous, making us righteous. But if he is a type and he is a shadow of Adam, excuse me, excuse me, of Jesus, then what about Eve? Eve was Adam's wife right realize this when Eve took of the fruit that God said do not take of the fruit lest she die a little controversial here but i put it out there when Eve ate of the fruit nothing happened it happened <laughs> when Adam disobeyed God hmm bible says watch follow me here in ephesians 525 follow me here ephesians 525 ephesians 525 let me drink my trump water <laughs> <laughs> ephesians 525 it says husbands love your wives even as Christ.'" Love the church and gave himself for it. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the bride. The Bible says that just before that, it says that the husband is the head of the wife. Now, this is not just something that we talk about for authority and, and, and you overruling somebody. But he's the head of the wife because this relationship, if when we talk, talk about types and shadows, marriage is a type that points to the relationship between Christ and the church. He died for the church and he gave himself for the church. And the same way that Eve when she takes of the fruit, has no effect. It was when Adam takes of the fruit that sin comes in as the head. The one who's supposed to be responsible and covering. It's when Adam takes of the fruit. (laughs) It's when Adam takes of the fruit. The same way Eve doesn't have any play in this in in this transaction because God has placed it on Adam. It basically points to Jesus Christ. It's a type. It's showing what's happening between Jesus and the church that that the church wouldn't have any play. In where they would stand with God, that the play would happen because of what Adam did. The first Adam caused sin. The last Adam calls righteousness. And his bride had nothing to do with it. His bride had nothing to do with it. It was the work that he did and then it's being imputed to her. He that findeth a bride, findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. Look at somebody and say, I'm his good thing. The bride of Christ is his good thing. Yeah. He that findeth a wife findeth a good, th- a good thing and obtaineth favor from the Lord. He gave himself for it, for her, that he, somebody say he, he. that he might sanctify and cleanse Her with the washing of the water by the word. Who's doing the sanctifying? He. He. Who's doing the cleansing? He. He sanctifies her. He cleanses her that he might present her to himself. So it's Jesus Christ sanctifying you cleansing you and then after he does that he places you in a position that he can present you to himself it's all him jumping in you listen he makes it so easy that righteousness is imputed to you and then he says i'm gonna live in you and walk it out all of this is what happened Let's say last week, the resurrection, we celebrated. All of this happened when he died on the cross and he rose from the dead and you accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior freely. Oh, come on. Freely, you accounted righteous. Freely, you get sanctified. Sanctified means he sets you apart. He says, this is mine. Yes. You go in Kedron's house, you'll see some shoes that have been sanctified to Kedron. <laughs> And Kedron will say, these are mine. Yeah, 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 yeah. He cleanses them. <laughs> washes them. And he presents them to himself. Then he steps in those shoes and he walks in them. Because they are his shoes. He can do what he wants with his shoes. God is living inside of us doing what he wants to do. We have been sanctified and we've been cleansed by the word that he may present it unto himself, a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle. Now some, of, some, of us, some of us have heard he's coming for a church without a spot or a wrinkle. No, he's, he's making a church without spot or wrinkle. So that in the end, when it's all said and done, he's presenting a glorious church to himself. In the end, you, you, you go from uh, uh, Proverbs 18 to being the, 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 the wife, the good thing that he found, that the church becomes the Proverbs 31 woman, the virtuous woman that he has created and made her good for himself. <laughs> his virtuous woman, his bride the one he cares for the one he loves the one he, he adores his bride the bride the church and this was all done freely 1 john verse 4 1 john 4:17 1 john 4:17 So I want you to know, God, God has not, God has never had a qualified person to work for him. God has not had a qualified person to work for him. Even David dies, they lay, they lay a woman beside him to see if he's still alive. Not had a qualified person to work for him. A man will take, he, he would take a man's, wife, uh, 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 a woman's husband and put him on the battlefield that he'd be killed so that he can be with her but yet god still uses him moses who commits murder he still uses him we can go all back and forth from person to person and we see all the various examples of where god is using people who wasn't qualified in our eyes to be used my question to you is what's holding you back What's stopping you from stepping forward and being the very best that God wants you to be? What's stopping you from in, operating in your ministry? 4.17. I'm going to have to move the podium over here. <laughs> uh, it says, herein, I love, herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Read that with me. Because as he is, so are we. Somebody say, "I'm like Jesus." I'm like Jesus. As he is, so are we. Currently, I'm like Christ. Now, now I've I've, I've talked about I've talked about uh, threefold salvation: save, being saved, will be saved. Now, I know there may be conflict, and it sounds like, oh, man, Uh, well, uh, uh, sounds like I can do what I want. Sounds like you're given a license to sin. You haven't needed a license so far. Had not needed one so far. I don't think you've needed anybody's permission to sin. Real quick, let's jump to uh, Romans 6. Let's jump to Romans 6. Romans 6 and 1. Romans 6 and 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, I like Paul. When I was a kid, I used to hear Baptist preachers talk about how, uh, you know, I may not be able to preach like Paul. And I did not understand what that meant. I I didn't understand what that meant. Preaching like Paul, you know, never heard Paul preaching, but okay. But the older, the older I got, and let, let me fill you in before I come right back to this and why I love the book of Romans. And it's because of Paul, because of the writings of Paul, <clears throat> coming from a very legalistic background where every little thing means you're unsaved and you need to get saved again and you need to get saved again. That's kind of, oh, that's stressful. Until you understand what Paul says uh, from chapter 1 up to uh, 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 verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. He's basically talking about what it means to be Righteous. And that it's freely given, et cetera, et cetera. Everything we mentioned gives example of Abraham. He tells us that we are in sin. But I heard someone once say that if if you preach the message of grace and your audience does not ask this question, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You have not preached grace. Because the thought would say then, Uh, Well, it doesn't matter, does it? I'm free. Uh, Bring up verse 2 for me. Verse 2. It says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You've died to it. It's dead to you. Some of us know people who are alive. But they are dead to us. You're dead to it. You've broke connection with it. That's not who you are. In, 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 in progressively, when he saves you and he's living in you, he's changing your desires and your behavior all freely. Him living through you and changing your desires. But still, you don't allow this to affect you from being used by him or let the devil be your accuser when you try to operate in the things of God to hold things over your head. What shall we say then? Grace abounds. When, when we have preached the message, when we have preached the gospel, we feel and we sense the freedom that God has placed on the believer. All of this righteousness is freely given. You had no play in it. You had no say in it. All you do is freely accept it. Last scripture, last scripture. Uh, Bring up Romans 10 and 9. Romans 10 and 9. Romans chapter 10. Bring it in, King James. uh, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Some people think that's too easy, but I'm not sure that that's an easy task. There are a lot of atheists in the world, and that's not an easy task to confess that someone died And they raised from the dead. They got up from the dead three days later. That's that's not always an easy task. Go to to verse 10. Verse 10. Verse 11. Go back one more. For with the heart we believe unto righteousness. i made right. And confession is made unto salvation. By saying that, making that connection, that confession with our mouth. As we confess things this morning. Those confessions of faith, those things that we say, is the thing that grants us access into the things of God. Your salvation is given to you and assured by your confession, your belief on Jesus Christ, and your confession of that. Anything of other than that is, is uh, 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 a filthy rag. It, it, it will not gain you any points with God. It is on that premise that God uses each and every one of us It's on that premise that God uh, blesses us. He touches our lives. And if you try to do anything outside of that, you're working in the flesh. You try to do anything outside of that, you're working in the flesh. It's just that easy to receive his righteousness and know, I want you to repeat after me, I am am the the righteousness of God. Come on and give the Lord praise today for being the righteousness of God.